0: Welcome back to Humans of Purpose. I'm your host, Mike Davis, and each week I bring you conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and inspiring positive social change across a wide variety of sectors. Sit back, tune in, and enjoy the next 40 minutes guaranteed to inspire you with our signature blend of wisdom, experience, and banter. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. We have to... uh
1: balance the fact that we need a scale to be able to impact more lives right but also do it in a safe way yep and so thankfully you know throughout my experience at OpenPay, such a high velocity when we were hiring 10 people a week for two years mm. you start learning how to do that you know mm-hmm. and i think that's important um going back to the thank you brand, by the way i think what they've done phenomenally well when i think about brand building etc is build a community yep and they've done like they've done excellent
0: welcome back to another action-packed episode of humans of purpose first off a big thanks to our season sponsor neon treehouse for all their wonderful social media support we're loving having leadership victoria as our current sponsor too folks i've met who really impressed me often have one thing in common they've done a leadership victoria program at some stage and most likely the williamson program great timing for you then that the williamson program is open to applications for just a few more weeks I'll link to more on the Williamson program in the show notes, but I can say that 2019 Williamson has been a formative, and incredible year in my leadership journey, and I catch up with Williamson folks from my year and others regularly. These are professional, peer, social, and support networks for life. As we flagged last episode, our Milestone 300th episode is fast approaching, which will be an in-person celebration on Friday night, the 22nd of September, including plenty of food and drinks, a DJ set from the new sensation DJ 10pm, and all at the Ritz-Carlton of co-working spaces, the Commons Cromwell rooftop overlooking Melbourne. You can now hit the Eventbrite link in our show notes to confirm your attendance at this fine gathering of elite humans, which is free of charge. You may, of course, wish to show your support of us reaching this milestone with a donation to support our work. Either way, get in fast as we have only about 30 tickets left going out to our community for what promises to be a fantastic evening. This week, I bring in my conversation with Michael Blonfman, who is the Managing Director and Chief Commercial Officer at BearSop. BearSop is a modern-day zero-waste personal care brand that keeps your body clean and your conscience too. All BearSop products are either refillable or home compostable, and their supply chain is fully carbon neutral. Beyond their positive environmental impact, BearSop are also committed to providing clean drinking water to 1 million people in need by 2035. This was a fun and interesting chat with Michael about a very promising startup with big, hairy, audacious goals to make a very positive global, social and environmental impact. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Michael as much as I did. Michael Thanks for joining me, mate. How are you today? I'm good, Mike. Thanks for having me. It's our first um, standing up podcast. How are you feeling about I'm that? I'm
1: feeling excited. I, uh, I love standing up. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the fact that you uh, said to me you never, you know, stand up. So this is different, which is good. Yeah. I think
0: it's part of the post-lunch slump. Like it's good yeah. to do things a bit differently. It's either a walk, standing up or yeah. something, but needed that hit of energy. I do have a Coke with me, but I think this is like the, the cherry on top, you know? I'm with you. hundred <laughs> percent. You're a, a full of energy guy. You get it. <laughs>
1: Absolutely.
0: Without further ado, let's get into it, mate. Um I'd love to hear a little bit about your background, your origin story, um, startup, VR, tech. You're talking about it all before. And then take me into Bearsop after that.
1: Sure. So um I've done a bit of everything. I was born and raised in Israel and I moved to Australia when I was thirteen. Um always had competitive spirit in me. Uh when I was in Australia, I, I You're started... an Israeli, that's normal, right? It's a normal thing, yeah. right? Exactly. Uh I'm not ex military, but my parents are, so that's where I get the competitive spirit from. Um and then after that I did a paramedicine degree because as you know, Jewish parents. Yep. Either a lawyer Or a uh, doctor. It's actually the same as Indian and Chinese parents, I've discovered. Is that right? Okay, there you go. So um, I'm not Chinese or Indian, but I am Israeli. (laughs) Um, So yes, I did that for a bit. And then um, basically while I was doing that, I was working at Telstra doing enterprise and government sales. And while on our lunch breaks, when I was working at Telstra, we realized there was a gap in the market for booking um, hairdresser salon appointments at Obviously, from our own experience, wanting to go downstairs and get a haircut. So what we did was we actually created a platform that allows you to book appointments. I love that.
0: Um, I don't have any hair, but I, I <laughs> imagine back in the day, that would have been very useful.
1: What, so what do you do? Do you go for a run or? <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> you like nice. That. Very good.
1: Yeah. So we did that, got about a thousand customers on board and then sold way too early. Um, but it was a great experience for an 18-year-old selling company at 23. Um, and we sold the company to a company called Zomato. Um, oh, Zomato. So I know them they're pretty big business out yep. of India. Yep. So we're talking about Indians and Jewish having similar values that worked well. Yeah, very well. Yeah. <laughs> very well. And I guess they love haircuts too. Yeah, they do. Mm. They do. And so um, did that. And then after that, I commercialized a company called OpenPay in the buy now, pay later space. Um, so I was actually brought in by um, one of the chairmen mm-hmm. uh, who came from Israel as well. And that was to basically take them into the market. And so I started as their fifth employee and scaled our business to about 250, Yep, which was just Crazy, like you're a, so you're many a, challenges. You're a
0: growth guy, so I'm it's, growth. Yeah, it says like uh, growth, sale, uh, tech, platforms. You've got all the bones of good startup operator.
1: Yeah, and it's one of those things like I didn't know I was good at. So I discovered as I was doing and going through the process. Um, and so when I joined OpenPay, we did that within about two and a half years and we went to the UK, into the US, commercialized it, and then basically IPO'd the business. After that, I started doing some advisory work um, for some high net worth families, Jewish families. Um, And then while I was doing that, I got into an accelerator accelerator program called Antler. Um, And then we didn't get funded through the process, but I was sharing an office with a beautiful human called Prisca, which founded Bessop in 2020. Um, And one thing led to another. I was looking at sustainability products in my own household um, and discovered. Why were you doing that? Because firstly, um, we were going through the process in our own household to replace the items and the products. And the reason With we would do- sustainable alternatives? Yeah. And the yep. reason being is because we've got two little boys and we realise that unless we do our bit in the household, we're going to have a problem, right? And so whether it's for our kids or their kids and generation to come, it's, it's, you know, against the law basically, yeah. right? As yep. you think about yep. it. Yeah. And so as I was going through the process, not having a product brain necessarily, mm-hm. I was like, okay, this is interesting. There's not much out there, but there is one quality product I found and that was Bersop. And funnily enough, I was sharing an office with a founder. Um, And so one thing led to another, me having a commercial brain and her having a product brain, we're amalgamated and creating some great things at the moment. How does that, tell me about that conversation and
0: how that starts in a small office being next to each other.
1: Yeah. So I actually uh, reached out to her on LinkedIn and she said, let's catch up for a coffee, sort of parked it for about nine months, didn't even talk about it. And I'm very good. I've got one of those things where I'm very good with faces. So recognize her face and pretty much started that conversation and telling her what I was doing and she was telling me what she was doing. And then she's like, funnily enough, I actually need someone like you ASAP. And I'm like, okay, this is interesting because we just didn't get funded. And I really love what you're doing. Why we You're also
0: examining product swaps at the same time. Yeah,
1: that's right. And so, you know, and I said, look, funnily enough, I've got your product. I love what you're doing. Um, You know, and then we started talking about the fact that we've got a patented solution, and how it's quite unique, and how long it's taken her to develop those products for the reason that it's quite unique. Um, and that interested me because I actually banged my head against the wall trying to look into developing similar products.
0: What was uh, lacking in the products that you looked at, uh, originally in the first run that make you think, oh, I want to be in Prisca's boat.
1: Yeah, sure. So I think first thing is friction. Um, I was happy to pay more for sustainability options, but I wasn't happy going through the process of having to spend a lot of time having to go through that process. Right. So that first thing first, um, somewhat annoyed me, I would say. Um, and so what I really liked about Bessop in particular is that we're not changing the customer experience and we're giving them a sustainable option. And that I really liked. And that so I, I don't have
0: to change my behavior fundamentally as a consumer no. to be engaged with Bessop. Spot on.
1: Exactly. And I think that's a major, major key selling point for our product. Mm-hmm. The other thing is the fact that we're made in Australia, I think is very important. I think that's important to me. It's a country I'm very you know, a fan of, especially for the opportunities that it's opened up. Mm. And so, you know, I think, um, from that element that was important. And then the third element, the fact that it's natural on my skin. So if my kids were using it, I want to know for my kids, it's going to be okay for the skin. Yep. Um, whereas a lot of the other products, we couldn't say that. Okay. So that's basically what interested me. And so understanding the fact that it's so difficult to get something that is powder form. Yep right, and get it so right to the texture that it needs to be was very interesting. Yeah. You know? Um, and so that's when you back some great founders and you go, well, if you're able to do this, why don't we get together and, you know, make it all happen?
0: And you thought the market potential was there if you're able to create a superior product in that category?
1: What One thing I'm, I, without bragging, but I think I'm good at is picking trends. Yep. And sustainability at that time was becoming a very interesting 2018, topic. 2018, right? Well, twenty. 2018, 2020, yeah, right, and it was becoming a very interesting topic. And so I saw the trend coming, and I thought, okay, this is interesting, right? Um, so from that perspective, that's one of the elements. The other element is the vision and the, you know, the the thought that the fact that we can actually eliminate a billion plastic bottles by a certain period of time, which will then eliminate about fifty thousand ton of carbon emission. Yeah, huge, massive, right?
0: Massive impact. So
1: if one company can do that. Imagine what, you know, another five, another 10, another 20, another 100 companies can do, and we can literally change the world.
0: Yeah. So this is yeah. interesting. I mean, it's very much to me, sounds like a bit of a thank you play in that kind of space.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, thank you came in a lot earlier, I think. Um, quite a different, unique value proposition in terms of what they do, etc. Of course. But um, the whole non-for-profit, you know, was obviously a very interesting play for them. Um, for us, we could have become a not for profit, but I think for us to be able to impact more lives and more you know, make a big impact on the world, we have to be profitable. Of course. Otherwise, we can't do it.
0: No, of course. I think the yeah. uh, not-for-profit model for startups is very rare that you see it yeah. work well and scale. Yeah, uh, It's inherently the hardest model to run. The only harder model to run is not-for-profit social enterprise, which is the company I work for. That's yeah. the model they run. So, Yeah.
1: How do you find that? <laughs> Hard. Yeah.
0: Not easy, right? <laughs> Look, they, they make products that do um, make the world a better place and actually yeah. fundamentally make uh, life better for a lot of people and a lot yeah. of uh, not-for-profits as well. But you know, to to get the margins right and the, the cost base right and everything, it's it's yeah. an inherent challenge to 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 be in that space because you've got to you've got to you've got to be cheaper, but you've also got to make it profitable and be able to hire. But it's it's hard.
1: It's, it's interesting. Really hard. Well, it's interesting yeah. nailing the business model yeah. when you're a non-for-profit yeah. because it's like okay, how do you you know how do you allow yourself to grow while not taking any profit out of the business or you know, how do you reinvest as much as possible into the business yeah. in the right areas, yeah. right? Whereas when you know, when cash flow is tight in a business, yeah. it's very important where you put the money. Of
0: course. And I think what people don't understand, and the big misconception out there around not for profits is that um, not for profits, just have different uh, stakeholders yeah, they're not yeah. they're not accountable to shareholders that's in the right. same way so yeah. our stakeholders might be community and especially the mission that we set for ourselves and it doesn't mean that you can't make money it's just the way that the money is used is just to serve particular stakeholders yeah interesting um, but yeah it does it does create a lot of um, constraints but it also creates opportunity so if you're looking yeah. to have a model where you need DGR status or you want to yeah. fundraise or you want to do um, grant funding and that kind of thing then yeah. that's the obvious model Um, if you can make it commercially fantastic business or social enterprise are also a great model
1: yeah Yeah. interesting interesting I love it. I think um, what Thank You has done is phenomenal.
0: Yeah. Um, they've had their challenges and I think they just yeah. wrote a big paper on um, a big reversal and shift they've done as yeah. a result of one of their models not working. So yeah. I think they had a uh, almost like a not-for-profit um, fund funding a social enterprise that they were running yep. and, and it was just like this really interesting structure. that's only yeah. worked a few times globally and they've just had a pivot. So yeah, that's and also And also they went from, you know, creating essentially – a problem to more of a solution focus. So they they were like, we're creating plastic bottles, so we're creating more waste, but here's our impact tracker to show you how we're reducing waste.
1: Which is interesting. Yeah. When you think about it. Yeah,
0: it's very challenging, but they, you know, speaking to them, and Pete Yeo has been on the podcast, so he he wouldn't mind me sharing this, you know, that they realized and took ownership over that and have now shifted product lines completely to a way that they're not generating that same waste, they're reducing it.
1: Yeah, Yeah. well, that's the thing about companies, right? Unless you pivot and you shift and you innovate, etc. Yeah. I mean, th- you have to, to stay yeah. alive, but yeah. also, you know, thrive as well at the same time. Yeah. yeah. I mean, a, a good yeah.
0: company is a company that is always learning, right? Yeah, yeah, so the, exactly. the day that you can't acknowledge that you needed to pivot off whatever reason, I mean, you know, you're, you're now heavily VC backed as well. So yeah. I'm sure you listen very closely to what your investors say and Absolutely. take notice.
1: Yeah, exactly. And like for us, you know, differently to not-for-profit, we do everything in the best interest of our shareholders. Yep. Like we must, yep. right? And so- Ultimately, how do we, you know, we have to, um, we have to, uh, balance the fact that we need a scale to be able to impact more lives. Right. But also do it in a safe way. Yeah. And so thankfully, you know, throughout my experience at open pay, such a high velocity, when we were hiring 10 people a week for two years, mm. you start learning how to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that's important. Um, going back to the, thank you, Brian, by the way, I think what they've done phenomenally well when I think about brand building, et cetera, is build a community. Yep. And they've done like, They've done excellent. In that oh yeah. Element. yeah, look,
0: and they've got a beautiful um, brand as well. Brand identity is very strong. Yeah, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of like the upside down book thing. Like yeah. unless you're writing in Japanese or yeah. you know, Chinese scripture, just give me a regular book or an audio book. Yeah. But um, make it easy for yeah, yeah, make it easy for it. But that's that's their own thing. So yeah. it's certainly different and certainly very clever marketing. And I'm yeah. sure they have got good advice on that. So that's good. Yeah. How long did it take you to or, or working with Prisca, it's sort of crystallizing that vision and getting to that mission of like a zero waste product. Yeah, how sure. long does it take to realize that kind of vision?
1: Yeah, so first thing first, Priska, um, how the product came about and how the brand came about is through a conversation she had with her daughter about the Pacific Patch and the problem that we've got in that you know side of the world. And so, like I said again, is when they started doing research into the space, they were they found that when it came to sustainability products in the household. The kitchen wasn't an issue, but the bathroom was okay. And so ultimately that's when they decided to own the narrative. And because Pris has got a very strong product background, she took it on and started doing about eight months worth of R and D until she, she found some traction in terms of the actual product. And she went through the Monash accelerator and she interviewed about 200 people, mm-hmm. um, around the product specific and reiterated the fact that, Hey, we need to get this product from this to this. And so keep testing and reiterating to make sure that we get the product sort of right to commercialize. So that took about 12 months in total, roughly. Um, And then once that feedback's come about, then predominantly a lot of the business was um, D2C, so online. Um, And obviously from an online perspective, you know, margins are a lot stronger than going to retail, etc. But we didn't have the volumes to, you know, to warrant the microeconomics. And that's where we, when I came on, that's where the, the issue I had to fix initially, the first first problem that we had to fix. So the actual product, about 12 months in terms of R&D. Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. And so
0: in terms of like, you know, obviously I've seen that you, you want to make a huge impact in terms of waste reduction, yeah. but to create a product that's so strong with its value proposition yeah. around zero waste, is that an evolving journey or like it, how many prototypes yeah. do you have to run through until you can kind of yeah. reach that zenith?
1: Well, this is a thing because it's one thing to have a sustainable product. It's another to run a sustainable company. Yes. Very two different things. Yep. So as an example, if we launch overseas, which I'm not saying we're going to do, but it's on the plan. So sounds it's like on you right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we sort of tried <laughs> to, it before, first. to be honest. But um, yeah, it's one of those things where, you know, I think it's important to think about how do we do everything in a more sustainable way? Because otherwise we're not going by our values. And so- You know, whether it means we open an operation in the US rather than shipping from Australia, it means that we don't have to, you know, ship around all this water. We don't ship around water around the world because we've taken the water out, but it means that we don't have to fly around, et cetera, products, you know, or ship it around. Yeah, something
0: about offsets and all that kind of stuff and credits.
1: And then the logistics, you know, how do we think about moving stock, et cetera, in the lightest way possible. So I think the fact that we've been able to take the water out, which is 90% of hand wash and body wash- And literally just come up with the raw materials is a game changer. Yeah. Right. From every aspect, from a sustainability element. And the fact that we've been able to create a sachet that's biocompostable is a closed loop.
0: Yeah. So, so very much a circular product in terms of of how it works. So nothing
1: remains. Exactly. Mm. And that's the idea. And the idea is that you would keep the bottle forever um, and nothing remains as you've said. It's beautiful. Thank you.
0: Thanks for there that. are some coffee cups in the uh, in the Commons kitchen. I think they're made by a group called Edible who are um, supposed right. to get on the podcast soon. Um, so, uh, apologies, guys. You're probably not listening, but if you are, I don't know if that's the actual name. But um, I say that because these are amazing cups. You might have seen that they're basically made out of like waffle cone. Yeah. They look great. I've so seen So you that. can have a coffee and then you actually just eat the Cup, unbelievable, which is like How cool a is that? kid's dream because it just yeah. brings you back to that memory of eating yeah. the ice cream cone yeah. as well.
1: Yeah, and when you think <laughs> about it, like you could do that for so many different products, yeah, you know, and you, you should be doing it, yeah. So, I think it's actually going maybe back, maybe not, the, not
0: the sachet from the bathroom, that <laughs> no. might not be as fun, but you know, <laughs> you don't want to other do other stuff. That. I promise you, don't eat yeah. our sachets. I, I feel like you know, using shampoo or something and then eating the sachet is not like a very normal human thing, <laughs> yeah.
1: No one wants to do that, and I no promise one wants you. to do that. <laughs> You've tested that, I'm sure, yeah, in your surveys, absolutely. In fact, I think we should put something in writing on our sachets now, non (laughs) eatable. Do not eat this is the
0: the kind of vibe.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: So bathroom is a starting point. Does that mean that you're open to other parts of the house? Is, yeah. that, is that how you and Prisca would approach it?
1: Yeah, look, we we um, definitely product development is a big one for us, but I think we haven't maximized what we have on the table. There's as a lot well. going on in the bathroom. Yeah, there is a lot going on, mm-hmm. and uh, some things should be kept f- private. But, um, <laughs> you know, our hand wash and body wash certainly should be making a lot of noise. Yep. And so I think for us, we're looking to expand our product offering within the bathroom, certainly. Um, whether we look outside of the bathroom is questionable at this stage yep. just because of our demographic and our customers that we're looking at.
0: And so- Who all, are your customers? Like yeah. who are the main buyer? Bo- I mean, I, I assume everyone needs bathroom products of this nature.
1: Yeah. Well, firstly, obviously people that are more sustainably focused. Yeah. Um, and so our demographic is at about sort of 22 to 42 year old females, predominantly, you know, 70% would be in that realm. Yep. Um, and then ultimately people that are happy to pay a bit more of a premium price for a premium product. Yeah. Right. Um, and understand the value as well. In what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of our demographic now, ideally what we want to try and do is put the customer in the middle and then give them sustainable options based on everything that they need. Yeah. Right. And so whether they have kids, whether they have pets, whether they have, you know, um, anyone within the household to be able to replace into sustainable products. And so that's what we're thinking about as we speak. Um, but while we're doing that, it's also important that we grow the business, you know, not only horizontally, but vertically. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, and so that, that's key and what we're looking at at the moment. Um, part of our next phase is definitely product development. Um, but a lot of the focus over the past six to 12 months has been around growth.
0: Take me back to your journey around working with VCs and yeah. investors and getting your first couple of uh, checks cut and what that was like for you.
1: Not an easy job, that's for sure. Um <laughs> full time job I'd have to say. Um Were you, you were in at that point? Uh in the company? At Bersop. Um Or
0: maybe uh, Priscilla had a bit of initial investment and then you came in?
1: Yeah. So she had an initial investment. I came in, we did another round. Mm -hmm. um, And that process in itself, it's like one of those things, you're always raising money, right? And so if you've got a 12 to 24-month runway, you're always starting the process as early as possible. I think the biggest thing is to execute on what you're going to say you're going to execute and over-deliver, you know, and I'm very big about- Under promise,
0: over deliver. Always. The mantra of a true business person.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, it's nice um, to have big goals. And I mean, we've got set um, board meetings every quarter now that we, you know, KPI'd on, et cetera. And for us to have high, you know, goals are great. But if you're not achieving the goals, I'd prefer to have, you know, under promise, sorry. uh, Over deliver, exactly. Yeah. And so that's what we're working on day in, day out. And so from a VC perspective, you know, it's all about- Number one, are you the right fit for this business? Right, like at the end of the day, early stage businesses, as you know, yep. you back the the person, and so I think it's important to have a very strong reason as to why you're doing what you're doing. Yep. Um, and so I think we tick that box. I would you know, say so. Um, the second element is that have you thought about your microeconomics to be able to make it financially viable? You know, and so that's something that when I came in, I fixed straight away, and that's through changing manufacturers reducing your cost to be then able to scale. Because if you scale before that, you're probably not going to have a business in 12 months. Yeah. yeah. You needed to be an investment ready in
0: that sense. Exactly.
1: Yeah. Um, and so I guess a tip I would give anyone is really think about number one, know your numbers, but also number two, know how you're going to get, you know, um, and how you are going to, sh- how are you going to be different and why you, the company, that they should back.
0: Do you, do you believe in that tripartite thing I mentioned earlier, right product, right team, right time?
1: I definitely think so. I think the two key elements that I find most valuable would definitely be the time and the people. Yeah. Without that, there's no business. Yeah. yeah. Um, so if I look at 90% of the success rate, would be people on timing.
0: Yeah, because if you had done this, just say when sustainability wasn't hot and climate yeah. change wasn't big on the agenda, different story. Yeah, different story. Completely. Right? Yeah. Do you think you would still have got it off the ground?
1: Um, I probably, knowing me, I would have found a way. You but would have hustled your way through. Uh, I probably somehow would have. The question is
0: probably yeah. more appropriate for the VC backers. Would yeah. they have thought about investing if the the trend set wasn't there?
1: Probably not, unless I mean. I think from a people perspective, we tick the box, but we don't tick the timing box.
0: Yeah. So So. how did you go? You had initial investment. How did you go with your kind of more, um, was it seed series A? Where were you kind of at? At, Yeah. And and what is the, I guess, the jump up in expectation and kind of the complexity around doing those sorts of deals?
1: Yeah. So at, um, obviously pre-seed was before my time I came in at seed round. So I went through the process of bringing in the capital through the seed round and, um, That was focused on promising things that you're going to deliver on, right? And so we brought in the capital and we are actually over delivering, thankfully, you know, to be able to then warrant another cap raise in, in very early, um, in time to come.
0: What's the time difference between that, that raise and the next raise?
1: Yeah. So, um, initially we thought about 12 months, Mm. but at the rate we're going, we're doing a lot of things, exciting things at the moment and we feel like we're at about ready to come. So we're at about 12 months now since our last race. Mm. Um, and recently we've done a, as you know, we've, we've sort of shifted the strategy to go more of retail. Um, the reason being is because we can't impact enough lives to be able to, you know, just do it online. Through B2C online. Yeah. Yeah. Well, how we worked it out is okay. If we need to get to a billion plus, I always work that way. Right. So I look at where do we need to go and work backwards from where we're going to it, how are we going to do it? And because we're impact led, I think it's important to go, okay, if we're looking to eliminate 50,000 ton of carbon emission, and that's a billion plastic bottles, how do we get to a billion plastic bottles by 2035 Yeah, and work backwards from there? So everything that we do in the business is led by that impact, is driven by that impact piece. Okay. And so part of that impact piece had to see us go into retail basically. Yep. And so we recently did a deal with Govita, which is the largest um, health food store. You know they've got about 113 stores and then another 70 external stores. And we've just signed a deal. You might have seen the news article today. Should be yeah, yeah, it's which impressive. is exciting. So 6,000 um, doors, which is one of the largest distributors for pharmacy channel. Um, so when we talk about growth, you know, how do you do strategic deals like that, right? So mm-hmm. you know they've got 27 sales reps on the ground nationally instead of us having to bring in sales reps, which is quite costly, we're able to do a, a deal with them where they actually ended up investing in our business oh, nice. as part of the deal, Nice distribution and is deal. And that, is
0: that kind of something you take to them as an alternative?
1: We had to negotiate that. Yep. But they, I mean, they don't touch brands that are smaller than sort of, you know, $2, 3000000 million. Yep. Um, the reason why they wanted to work with us is because, number one, they like the brand. Mm. Um, and they've been looking for a brand like this, you know. And so this is their first investment, by the way um into a brand mm. which is interesting well, it's and for a great storyboard for you guys exactly so um we're excited about the future that's that's for sure so why did you
0: choose water yeah so why is that so important around impact yeah and just thinking about the second order impact of um you know reduction in waste but obviously
1: having safe drinking water for all and you know more yeah. accessible drinking water why does that matter in society sure so first thing first when you think about personal care products that are in the market, they're all with water, pretty much, 99% of them, okay? When you actually start looking to what those products, the elements that they have, and you understand that 90% of everything that's shipped around the world from a personal care product range is water, it just doesn't make sense, okay? so It's a lot of because of weight. Weight, number one, but also- The cost of moving that weight, yeah. Also the size, Size. weight, it it comes to a lot of different things and the cost, obviously. Environmental impact is probably the biggest one Mm. when it comes to it. You know, having to, sh- anything that's heavier causes a, 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 a you know, a, a worse um, element, right? Yep. And so it just didn't make sense what traditional products are doing, right? And so how do we go back to basics and go, okay, what do we need to do to take out that water to create a, a, a lighter product, number one, so we don't have to ship water around the world, but then also the space element, right? So now the fact that you can buy sachets from a storage perspective, you don't, you know, there's a lot of space to store now right? Rather than having to store these big bottles, et cetera. And so um, water was the first one for us, I think that we had to to, to look at from an environmental perspective. Um, And then we had to look at the logistics, like how do we just not just create products that are more sustainable, but how do we become sustainable as a business as a Mm. whole? Whereas now we know it's, you know, very much due to the global strategy, every company is becoming sustainable, right? So you know, we can say that we sort of adopted that very early on, which is exciting for us to to, to do. And that's something that obviously we're led by as yep. well. Yep. Um, and so moving forward, everything we will do, will focus on that regardless. Yeah. You it's know, very which exciting. is cool. Yeah. So, um,
0: so for you now, is it very much about
1: scale? Yeah. I think for us to be able to achieve our mission and sprint towards our mission, we have to scale. Otherwise you can't do it. Um, and so how do we scale in the most efficient leanest way possible is what I'm focused on. Nice. And I think it's the best, like, uh, sorry, I'm a bit biased, but I think it's the best approach, yeah. especially now in downturning market. So as you see, a lot of companies are going under and for us to be able to say, hey, we're actually growing is very exciting. Yeah. You know? um, hey, In very turbulent headwinds. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not easy, that's no. for sure, but it's fun. What,
0: uh, what's your product range at the moment and what are you kind of exploring adding into that range?
1: Sure. So at the moment, we've got um, eight SKUs in total and that's hand wash, body wash, and we've got different scenting. And so with a scenting, it's very easier for us to play with a scenting and we can increase the different variants and so forth and so on. Yep. But we're very much based on the Australian native scenting. So everything we do is from an Australian ingredient perspective, right? And we want to continue in doing that way because we feel like obviously we owe that to our country, number one, but also the impact that we're going to make, we're going to be able to say, we've done it with our localized methods, right? Um, in terms of the clean drinking water element, which you're asking about before, mm. very interesting for us because we're all about humanity. So if you met Priska, I mean, she her passion really comes across mm. and for us being able to know that we've impacted so many lives from a positive element of water, drink, clean drinking water, which we're eliminating when you think about it, okay, is exciting. And so how can we do more of that? And for us to be able to do more of that, we have to scale, again, to be able to give more to those communities mm-hmm. that need it most, right, because it's selfish not to. Yeah, absolutely. That's the way we see it. What
0: did you? What do you see in Prisca that made you want to join her besides a great opportunity? What is it about her? Yeah,
1: uh very kind human that's for sure and she's all about humanity you know so for her she went through the process of self reflection um and you know that's obviously through that process led her to this journey right and so for me when you talk about um and i think while we complement each other very well she's very zen but at the same time, she's very targeted, whereas I'm all about the numbers, right? <laughs> so it's like a perfect combo when you think about it. And I think that's important when you talk about VCs backing you or investors backing you. You know, if you had the same type of person, it wouldn't work, right? hundred percent. I could say the same thing about uh, marriage. Same thing. Actually-
0: it might not be true because there are people who marry like a, a carbon copy of themselves. Yeah. I always find that a bit weird. Yeah. It's like, do you love how you roll that much? And how does you that know? work, how right? How does it work? Yeah. yeah. Like if I had two of me, I'd divorce myself immediately. Yeah. It'd be, it'd <laughs> That's be a very quick end to the- Why marriage. is that? Because <laughs> uh, <I, I>, <laughs> even at times I find myself painful to be around, so to, yeah. to, to have another one of me which yeah. would just be like, you know, it'd be awful. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that, that complementarity is, is very important. Yeah. Um, and yeah. uh, I do, you know, just going through this, VC catalyst program at the Wade Institute, um, it's sort of our kind of version of Star Maiden and antler and whatnot, but yeah. not just for founders, it's just so interesting, the parallels that come up between like relationship dynamics, yeah. in romantic relationships and partner founder relationships. Yeah. And also then VC founder relationships, because yeah. it's a different kind of relationship as well. Yeah.
1: Very interesting. But do you guys put a focus on making sure you've got the right founder match? process in in that organization yeah I mean yeah. Look, look I I, I
0: think um, I think the founder VC match is very important yeah um, I yeah. think the founder co-founder match is very important yeah. when I started my business purposeful many years ago I kind of always wanted to find another founder to work yeah. a co-founder and I think part of the reason it didn't scale and grow the way I wanted it to is I never found that right fit yeah and I kind of made a promise to myself that if I ever did another business, a yeah. startup, I'm not allowed at the moment, by the way, in yeah. case my wife's listening, um, <laughs> it's too risky. Uh, but um, I would do it with somebody else yeah. who is very different to me because yeah. I think I, I see – I hear what you're saying and I see in good successful companies, the, the success rate, if you look at two-person founded companies, co-founders versus founders, it's astronomical Big difference. difference. Big difference. Big yeah. difference. But then if you also look at the diversity between the founders, yeah. it's another huge difference gap, like massive growth, incremental, exponential increase in their likelihood of success.
1: Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And you've got to go off, sometimes you've got to go off your gut feeling and how you feel about that other person. And I think the number one element is like aligning on the vision. That's number one. Like you have to tick that box off, right? And then number two is, okay, can I be doing stuff that you can't do? And can you do stuff that I can't do?
0: Yes. Or Uh, that you do better. And that's right. When I say complementarity, it's that. It's that. It's it, and yeah. but part of that I think is knowing yourself and knowing your limitations. And I yeah. always think the best operators know what they're not good at. Yeah. And they that's can true. put a name to it and call it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, for me, I will just say like I'm relationally very good. Yeah. Don't give me a spreadsheet. I would yeah. not understand. I don't want, I actually don't want to hear about it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, something that I'll
0: have to get better at as an yeah. investor, but yeah. um you know, I just am not I I am actually interested in numbers. I'm just not great with them yet. Got it. Interesting. You know, I always, I always think it's really important to know and be comfortable to say what you can and can't do well. Yeah, and be explicit about it.
1: Interesting. So, does your wife uh, lock you out of your bank account?
0: No, no. Look, we're we're pretty transparent, but we do have sort of like what we do is we sort of have. I think like just respected rules around how we yeah. do things and how we want to run our accounts and how we want to run our household. So right. like you said, alignment of vision. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, yeah. so we have that. that, which
0: is great. That's, and then I actually do manage our family's finances more or less. Okay. Um, but we don't need to use Spreadsheet. Like there are yeah. good enough apps out there for that. Yeah, so, that's right. <laughs> all you need is a few good apps and you, you're yeah. pretty much, as long as things keep going up and not yeah, down, that's absolutely. pretty much.
1: <laughs> Very important. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Your investment. I mean, yeah, yeah. the fact that you're investing in Michael Jordan, you know, yeah. uh, product is interesting, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. As well, long as we're going in the right direction, I think that's very important. Yeah,
0: look, if you've got if you've got money that's spare and you've done well in business, and I, I look anything that I invest in it's from the podcast. Yeah, so yeah I, love that. I always really careful around like you know there are family things and there's business. Yeah, and I try and keep that quite separate. So that's good. The podcast, um, any like this is the first year that it's actually profitable, but whatever comes from the podcast goes back into making the podcast better. Yeah, I but love also that. to supporting founders who come on the podcast is yeah. our new thing yeah. so looking at where we can invest in people that we actually back to come on yeah um, well you've done it's so not like you you know you don't need someone like <laughs> you, some schlepper like me no you know, no you know, I do. Uh, other folk other well, important folk
1: yeah no you're from the same background so it works out well right so <laughs> we, we'll we'll have you involved that's for sure we're gonna do
0: a deal after this we? we will yeah. absolutely
1: You get me on the cap table absolutely Shall we shake hands now <laughs> no that's good i love that <laughs> um yeah no that's good i think i think people are super important like to your point around people yeah um one of those things you know when i came in i think it was important to structure a strong team yes so we brought in some strong advisory team in areas that we thought we lacked right and so we brought um the ex um one of the founders family founders of baby bunting mm. who's done phenomenally well through another brand called more beauty best place to lose all your money when you have a kid 110 percent. yeah phenomenal as, business as, as yeah absolutely i i stay away from baby bunting especially when my wife goes in there. yeah it's like the office works with baby accessories absolutely out of control out of control, and especially after after pay, uh, doesn't help. <laughs> so, um, no, yeah, I think you know, I think it's important to have a strong team. So, we brought him on, and then obviously, from a um subject matter expertise perspective, we brought on an ex executive from L'Oreal, which is pretty exciting. Um, and she fell in love with our what we're doing, you know, and then we've got ex executives at um. Wool is an executive at Coca-Cola, right? When it comes to, you know, doing some great things. So we've got a very, very strong advisory team. Yep. And I think that was very important for us to do. Yep. Um, to give us the guidance that we needed at that point to be able to really work our way around this specific market and industry. Yeah. Nice. Yeah.
0: So the team is there, everything's in place
1: and yep. it's great Guns now. It is literally no reason to not succeed. It's like one of those things I keep saying, we've got all the ingredients. Yep. Okay. It's up to us to put it all together, to bake the cake.
0: I I like to work in a model where you've got, and and this is, um, don't judge this because Donald Rumsfeld used it quite widely, but you've got known knowns, known unknowns, unknown unknowns, and uh, unknown knowns. So there's a four quadrants. So the main ones that you work in would be, what do you know that you know? Uh, What do you know that you don't know? And what do you... What don't you know that you don't know?
1: Yeah, I love that. And so, starting
0: to fill that out is yeah, really kind of a good way to work. So you might know that yeah. you don't know what your next product line is going to yeah. be. So that's a research area. Yeah, but it's important to have the right people at the table because they're yeah. the ones that help you with the, what you don't know that you don't know. Exactly. So
1: yeah, do you feel like what you don't know that you don't know is dangerous? Extremely. Good. But it, it's also yeah. a huge opportunity. Yeah. So um, it's sort of like
0: humility comes from the idea that you may at any given point be the dumbest person in the room. Yeah. And we should all be comfortable with that and we should all use that as our starting point. Absolutely. Wherever we are. Yeah. I mean, it's different when you're in a uh, VC meeting, you do, obviously don't want to sound that dumb because yeah. you're funded, but yeah. I think that's always my approach is sort of thinking like there are so many things I don't know. Yeah. But I should try my best to try and get a better appreciation yeah. of the things I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But there are certain things that I can't even know that I don't know. Yeah. So in that case- I'll need to bring on people who have those ideas, Know-hows. have yep. those connections, have those networks, Spot. and help to fill in those gaps to help yeah. you take you to that next sort of yeah. stage. Spot on. Yeah. I think
1: I think one takeaway from today yeah. is that. Yeah. Like you need well, to it's know useful, that. if it's
0: useful. I mean, yeah. I, I find it really useful. Yeah. Sometimes people look at me and they say, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I, I think it's quite a good model Yeah. Um, just because knowledge is so – interesting and like we the biggest mistake you can make is thinking that you know more than you know
1: no and i'm making assumptions i think that's a very dangerous play yeah um and you know transparency is a big one for us like value from a values perspective the more transparency you can transparent you can be the more success you're going to have yeah um and the more honest you can be you know with people and just at the end of the day we're trying to make create a movement of change here that's super positive yeah so the more transparent we can be, the more people that can get involved there along the journey and the bigger the community can become and the bigger impact we can make,
0: you know? What do you look for in the right investor match? Because, you know, with a strong brand and product yeah. that's growing fast, I imagine you wouldn't have just had one or two opportunities. Yeah. You probably had to make choices. Yeah. How do you decide who you're going to take investment from?
1: Yeah, I think early on it's important to make that decision based on value. So money is great, but value is where you need most, especially early on until you bring employees through, et cetera. So when you've got the options on the table, that's what you should be trying to do and create those options on the table to then be able to have the freedom of choice to where you go. So early on in the business for us, um, for example, we needed help around the online marketing component, right? So we brought someone strategic from that element who ended up investing in our business And that really helped us catapult, you know, our business forward on that, in that, in that channel, right? Now it's a bit different, right? Now we're looking at the B2B to C, So we're bringing strategic, you know, investors from that element and pulling them in, right? So not only do they have skin in the game, it's in their best interest to perform because ultimately everyone is happy, right? Yeah. So, um, I think it's important to make decisions based on those gaps that we spoke about, you know, and go, okay, who, okay, great. You can financially support us. But can you also add value in any other way? Yeah. And if you can, that's fantastic. And if you can't, and we think we potentially could do it otherwise, then we do it, you know? Um, but early on specifically, I think you should explore options that could add value outside of financial reams.
0: Yeah. No, I love that. Yeah. So you you probably, you and Prisca probably work at a fairly intense cadence and pace. <sighs> what do you both do? What are your habits around making sure that you're uh, optimizing your health and well-being, and, yeah, and you have good, good balance in your lives? Yeah.
1: So one of our biggest values in the business is life um life balance, right? Like work life balance. Um I never really believed in it. Like young being younger, I've always sort of hustled and I've always, you know, worked 24 hours a day, basically. And I sort of still do, right? But I've found a routine that works for me. With Priska, for example, she'll go for a run usually, you know, after me day because that works for her. And so any employee that we bring into the business, we want them to come under the same structure, you know? And we've got full autonomy. And I think People flourish in their own environment, you know? So if you bring people that you can trust into the business that are going to do a better job than you in areas of that business that you need help with, right? They flourish, okay? And so work-life balance for us is huge. For me, I train every morning and I literally can't operate unless I do. Whether it's going for a run, whether it's weight session, whether it's boxing, whatever it is, I have to train in the morning. Um, And then usually... um, you know, in the afternoon, I might do a walk, et cetera, right? So for me, that balances me out. And Priske, you know, does things like yoga, meditation, running, et cetera. Um, and so we do it on our own schedule as we need. Mm-hmm. But obviously, we come to the table to discuss very important matters, right? But we have to balance everything. I think yeah. that's important.
0: Yeah. That's a good answer. Yeah. Very good answer. Thank you.
1: Yeah. This has been a great chat how can people connect with you and Prisca
0: and sure. learn a bit more about your wonderful work?
1: Sure. So best obviously com. We've got LinkedIn, um, obviously through media channel. And then I've got Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, TikTok, everything you can think of, um, and get in touch, you know, any, any knowledge that we so can you're share. You're good for LinkedIn if people want to reach out. Absolutely. Yeah. A, I'm big link on LinkedIn. The yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important. Like for me, you know, when I was growing up, I wanted to get expertise from other people and I'd reach out. And I think people, some people can be very reserved when it comes to that. So feel free to reach out and any value we can add, you know, let us know. And um, if you want to get involved in the Best Sub community, let us know as well. Oh, terrific, mate. Well, thanks for being with me. Thanks for standing up with me for the first time. Thanks for having me. It's um, fun. Yeah. I feel more energized now. So I think thank I might you. continue. So. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> thank you. Good on you, mate. Thanks, thanks Mike. Thanks. Cheers.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player and why not share it with a friend or two. If you want more from your Humans of Purpose experience, become a Humans of Purpose member today through our new platform, Supercast. All you need to do is hit the link in our show notes. If you have a message to share with our audience about your brand, products or services, we have a wide variety of paid promotional packages available.
1: Please get in touch by hitting the link in our show notes.